Time and again, the world bears witness to truths seldom said. Lend an ear. We promise enlightened, informed conversation. My name is Robert, and this is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. We have a returning guest. We don't often do this, but sometimes people are of an especial stripe, and they have so much to say that one hour isn't enough. Our guest today is Lama Pemadoje, originally of Tibet, then Dharamsala, northern India, colleague of His Holiness the Dalai Lama, now residing in the United States. Welcome to Seldom Said, Lama Pema. Thank you. I wonder, if, for those who did not hear earlier programs, and this will be the third in a series, would you recap and tell your story again in a very short way so that people who haven't heard you can get to know you? <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, my name is Pema Dorje. I work for the Nejum Foundation in New York. I'm from Nejo Monastery, from Dharamsala. So I was born in a Tibet nomad family with many animals, and I live in different places in the winter and summer change places. But uh, we live very freely. And uh, when I was in Tibet, I was child time. I was I left Tibet six. Before that, I was. We are a very peaceful country. There no police, no army, but unfortunately, Chinese took over. We lost everything, and then I lost my parents, my relatives in the jail. So we came to India. I became an orphan, and then reached to Dalai Lama in Dharamsala, and he sent me school. And then I was after some time school. I joined a monastery. Uh, now I'm working in New York for the monastery. You do a great deal of work with young people. What are some of the things that you're involved in? In New York? In New York and in Queens. Oh, I'm working with the Tibetan community for 16, 17 years. And our school been uh, like 23 years. We have uh, like 400 students and uh, almost 37, 8 teachers. I'm running them I'm organizing with them since I started school in 1996. For those in the listening audience who are really curious about Tibetan culture, as well as, of course, Tibetan Buddhism, what is the language similar to? Hello, Tashidala, uh, for instance. What are some of the phrases that would allow you to understand at least a little bit of what Tibetans say and do. We say Tashi Delek, also we say morning Adro Delek, Kondro Delek, it's in night time, evening time. So we have these things to say Delek means well-being and evening, morning, well-being. Tashi Delek means Tashi is the everything come to well and no sufferings. It's like a great greeting. Indeed, indeed. Is the Tibetan language similar in any way to Hindi? By sound, yes. Some Devanagari and also an alphabet we have very similar to Indian language, Hindi. But it's uh, our language came from India. This what are we writing right now? It came from India in the 8th century, which is called a copy from the Devnagari, this says. But it's a, the, the writing, the way of writing is different, totally different. Many people in this country hear the word Buddhism and they have some idea. They try to ascertain a deeper meaning to it. If someone who had never dealt with the religion asked you, Lama Pema, as a holy man, what is Buddhism? What would your answer be? Ah, <laughs> holy man doesn't have any negative thought emotions or no hate to the other beings. But uh, I'm not holy. I have a negative thought emotions. But uh, those people who don't understand the basis of religion, compassion, and love, the Buddhism is based on 
compassionate love. And also they call the a view and action. View is interdependent and uh, action is nonviolence. You also, in all the years I've known you, been a very modest man, a very humble man. You were a few seconds ago saying that you are not holy. Is modesty one of the integral, important facets of Buddhism? The modest, uh, I'm not modest, but the modest is uh, useful to decrease your hate, anger, desire, pride, jealousy, which we are influenced by them, and when we do lots of mistakes, and then we pay the consequence of those results. You are a man from a foreign place, Asian. I'm a man from the present place, this country, Caucasian, European. My engineer is the product of an African-American culture. When we look at each other, how does a true Tibetan Buddhist view difference in people? We don't differentiate on the colors and different way of uh, living. All we, we're looking same as a brother and sister because we all are same human being and also we wish to happy. We don't want the suffering. We have equal right to have a happiness. We have equal right to to discard the sufferings. I would like to take the moment then to uh, thank our sister for being so incredibly professional in doing this program. Sufferings. You often use that word, and the Buddha often writes of that word. Suffering important? To know about suffering is very important because we are always bounded with the things that we don't need it. Always we uh, experience that we don't want it. It came from the negative actions result. So first you want to be a, achieve happiness. You have to know what the uh, obscuration up to achieve happiness. So that's the negative thought emotions are the cause of all the sufferings. So that's why it's important to know the suffering first and then to know its origins to get rid of it. Is it important to know that men and women are weak, that we succumb, we're overtaken, by evil or dark emotions? Yeah, it's a, it comes from the ignorance, unknowing it, because we don't, we try to achieve the best we could, happiest things try to achieve it, but we, unfortunately, we mistakenly to act on the wrong things, self-grasping, and then that brings consequence, sufferings again and again. Perhaps it's time to deal with the unfortunate nature of things in Tibet, your homeland. What is happening at the present time? In our conversation earlier, you mentioned that things have worsened. Can you describe the situation in Tibet? We've been uh, 50 years of so hard, so people to live like a hell beings in Tibet. And those who want religious rights, those who want human rights, they cannot raise their wives. They are torturing, killing them, murdering them, and then disappearing at night. So, so and so, even the high lamas, they are not allowed to practice. The many monks and nuns are arrested, put in jail because of their practicing religion, and they are trying to support community. That's why they become their criminals in their country. Uh, so. And also, our Tibetan people have become a minority in our own country. Tibetan people don't get good jobs. They don't have jobs. And even the business is taken over by the Han Chinese. So we have a, and also especially for the nomad people, their land is took by the government, and they put, uh, they just, I mean, they 
reduce the animal to keep with them, and then because of that, many many people have suffered for the food and shelter, and uh, so many people uh, died with the hunger since Chinese invaded Tibet. We never had uh, hunger problems before many thousand years in Tibet, but after invasion of Chinese, we had all these hungers and killing and prisons, all these things we're suffering and we're facing right now. And also they destroy our religion, culture, and our race. I've heard the story before, but every time I do hear it, it's, it's deeply troubling. It affects the heart and soul. I know that my grandfather, for instance, was a very religious man, so we had a picture of the Pope. In Tibet, it is illegal to have a picture of His Holiness the Dalai Lama, correct? Not only the His Holiness, High Lamas, those who, the people like Dalai Lama and Karmapa and all those great masters, teachers, they just work for the other sentient beings. We cannot keep that pictures in there, our sh shrine. Only the Chinese propaganda, high-ranking peoples, uh, Mao Zedong and so on, we can keep their pictures on the shrine. But it's sort of restricted to practice religion, plus not allowed to keep their pictures on the shrine. There is always the assumption for instance, that during the Holocaust, Jews did not rise up and fight. And uh, I've been pleasured to have Holocaust survivors here on the program, and they describe how they did resist. Tibetans did resist, did they not? We do stand against Chinese government, but not by the weapons. We did before a little bit, but uh, now we give up. We understand the killing and hate never bring any good result. So we try to negotiate with the many methods. His Holiness gave many proposals to with the Chinese government to talk peaceful way, to share, live together in a peaceful manner. But still they are not uh, considering that. And also they open schools in Tibet, but only Chinese. And also the Tibetan kids who study better in any field, they never get a seat to further studies, and also they don't let us to study our own language in Tibet. And the teachers or the students who raise their voice against to practice our own language, our culture, then they get arrested and punished in jail. We've had on this microphone uh, representatives of Indian nations in the United States, and they've told how they kept their language and culture alive, even when government authorities tried to prevent them to do so. There are many African Americans who take the position that naming a child should reach back to the roots. So we have a great many African American names that relate to the continent of Africa, the homeland. What are you doing within the school and outside the school to keep the history, the culture, the lessons alive so that the children coming up, the young people who are here, will know. See, uh, when we lost Tibet as in 1959, as soon as the 1960s, His Holiness Dalai put together the, our uh, monastery monks together as the universities. Tibet, our in Tibet we have universities as the monasteries. So he put together the monasteries and also uh, opened new um, study places. And also in 1961 they start teaching our language in Indian supported schools and financed by the Indian government center schools. So. Same as that, now we moved in a Western country, so we moved in uh, America and other places. So we try to open more center, Buddhist centers, to help to make understand what the reality is, how to achieve the happiness, how to give up the negative thought emotions, which causes sufferings. And also we try to educate our own 
younger generations for kids to open schools, uh, our not to dis, uh, disappear our language as well as the religion and culture. So we try to live together, share everything together, and uh, wherever the places we open us try to open our own people, open schools and teach by voluntarily our own language and culture. Many people will point to history at Lama Pema and say uh, Gandhi, Dr. King, individuals like Cesar Chavez in California. They'll take the position that the world isn't ready for people of peace. When we speak of Dalai Lama, we're speaking of someone who will not raise his hand who will not give in to angry emotion. What is your answer to the person who says, Lama Pema, you're a good man, Dalai Lama is a marvelous human being, but this is naive, this will never work, people are violent, and if they hurt you, you have to protect yourself and respond in kind. What is your answer to that? Our answer is fighting, killing has no end. We have experienced many in the histories, England and French fight 125 years, 112 years there? Over. Over. So they have no end. They have to put, make treaties, same like as everywhere, the fighting, killing has no ends. So more hate and anger grows. That brings more negative result coming. So because of that reason, we try to understand and practice patience for the we we believe in the long run happiness, not for temporary years and fifty years, hundred years. It's a short time, but we try to live a country with a hundred hundred years, so make it better in the future. So we face trouble and make understand. Try to go through the peace and understanding. Doctor King always told us that Jesus gave him the message and Gandhi gave him the method. You do, you do believe then in nonviolence? Yes. And, uh, see, especially Buddha, when he was a king, prince or king in India, he said, I'm going to find a truth. So when he left, he see the suffering, there's death, ang death, aging, sickness, and birth. So he said, this is happening for everybody has faced this problem, so I have to find the truth. So that's why he went out to research and practice many religions. He went to the many teachers, ascetics, and many of them study with, and then he f found out the Buddhism, which based on a reality, cause and effect. So, so that's why he says, nonviolent is the only way to bring eternal happiness. Traditionally, Tibetan scholars meet a practitioner of a new religion, whether they be Muslim, Christian, Jain, Hindu, with the expression, welcome, lover of the truth, we reach out our hand in friendship. In point of fact, Buddhists accept any Religion, yes. For example, or every religion has a, a benefit for other beings. So on that basis, we just respect all the religions. Plus, I'm working with uh, in New York. I'm working with the Interfaith Center of New York as well as the local faiths. Working been I've been with uh, like uh, fifteen twenty years now. So we're all sharing our, on the basis of our, our philosophy is a little different, but the bottom line, every religion says to love, to compassion, uh, every, not to hate, not to kill, not to, unhappy, not to make unhappy to other beings. So same message for all the religions. Well said. We've talked about Buddhism and its response to the distinctions of race and culture that have afflicted and affected this country. Where do Buddhists stand in regard to the equality of men and women? We have same rights. We have practitioners who achieve the enlightenment in a woman's as well as a man's. 
But uh, according to the, our first teacher is the, our mother. My mother teach me to friend with all, anyone who is rich, poor, doesn't matter. You have to have a friend with all beings. That's my first teacher. My mom is my first teacher. So, so all are we look in the same method. But the, in the some community, they might have some little up and down looking. That's their own different places have different ideas. But uh, on the Buddhism, there's no differentiation between woman and man. I remember you speaking to a group of young students, and you described your mother and how her strength caused you to become a monk. If I were to ask you if it's not difficult in any way, what was her name, and would you describe her so that we all remember her? Oh, yeah. My mom's name is Palmo. Palmo is like actually a wealth, wealth goddess. Uh, but she was short, and she's, uh, what do you call the, unstudied, nothing. She never get educations on the, like, school basis or religion basis. But she has her own quality of mother, how to take care of her children and how to deal with the, your neighborhoods and uh, properly, not to hate, anger. Even the animals she take care of different ways. For example, one time I had I throw a stone on the animal like a goat. So he hit on his uh, horn and the goat was so painful he just jumped over and ran away. And then my mother took that stone. It's not big but stone. She threw on my head. I was crying. What are you doing this mom? So you hit on the animal. So now it's, that's animal. So he has the same feeling. So you see, run away. Don't throw again. Yes, he, he has the same feeling like you. So that, that's what my mom says. What one does in this life will be transcribed into the next life. For those in our own Western culture that believe life ends and then one goes somewhere else, or perhaps some people believe it just ends, what is the Buddhist belief in rebirth? <laughs> we believe in a rebirth, a reincarnation. It's a strongly believed because of cause and effect. So whatever, uh, how this says this, uh, if everything is create, created by the God or whoever, creator, and has to be have, that being should be the economic of all sentient beings. So we always talk about the why some has no wealth, living in a homeless, no, even a disabled, born a disabled, why? So that question arises. And Buddhism says you have to do a kindness and helpful this life and next life is in your hand. How you, for example, how you saw the rice in the field today, tomorrow it uh, result coming out, same way, so we believe cause and effect and uh, make your next life better. So this life in human life, is you can make better life than next. Many people misrepresent the term sentient being. What is your definition of who is and what is a sentient being? Sentient beings means those beings who has a feeling of suffering and happiness. So anything from the insect crawling across your garden and on your hand to the man sitting across the table is a sentient being. Yes, that's sentient beings because they are not coming to harm you. They're looking for food. Uh, I remember very clearly when I was in the third or fourth grade in school, searching for the food. The animals are looking for food as well as human beings are too. So it's the same nature. They're, when they harm you, that means they, they're scared and try to protect themselves from who harming them. Or uh, then the animals have a less, they are smart, but they, they have a different mentality than human beings. Because human beings have special quality 
mentalities which will change the world. You can make differentiation in this life. But animals, they don't know what is positive, what is negative. Whatever you thought, maybe they can do that, but they don't know why doing that, what is resolved that they don't understand the cause and effect. There is an interesting book called Seven Years in Tibet, My Seven Years in Tibet, by Heinrich Hara, who was uh, a member of the Nazi party, who was an SS soldier who did commit atrocities. All of us at this table are aware of what those atrocities were, and it's so difficult to forgive them. And yet Buddhism does, and Heinrich Hara became a friend of the Dalai Lama. You do believe that people can change. Yes, it's changed. Because, you see, uh, we all have the same nature. It's called the Buddha nature, which is very clean and pure filled. What a, for example, it is like a little place for the growing vegetable place, right? So you have a fertilize, you have a moisture, heat in there, warmness in there. You can grow anything in there. So because of the environment or society, so whatever things you grow in there, you, uh, how say, you, you cultivate in there, it will shoot out the result. So more you make peaceful community, more make peaceful your family, it affects that area. Do you feel that as a practitioner of the faith, punishment must be offered as part of life? Those who commit atrocity or wrongs must be punished? Uh, it depends. Uh, see, it's a punishment is not really torture or things. Punishment has, there should have a law, but you don't have to kill them, To uh, don't have to be uh, uh, punished in prison so long, whole life like that. But you have to educate the people who they do wrong things because they don't understand depth of their actions. That's what their mistakes, killing people or killing animals or stealing. If somebody knows 100% understand this is negative, it doesn't help themselves. They don't do. But until then, we're all confused. So we do wrong things every day. The poets often say that darkness is the absence of light. If Buddhism is the light and atheistic communism, for the purpose of argument, is the darkness, do you feel there's any possible compromise between a highly religious people and a government that is atheistic? It will change. Nothing is impermanent. Everything has to be changed through the understanding, changing way of the world, environment. See, so that we are trying to this, not to get this life, next life of our future life, maybe change it. It has to be changed. The people living in their side and our side, all are human beings, they want happiness. If you give suffering to the others, it never gets you happiness to yourself. So based on self-sufficient, you have to have change it. You often speak of happiness as self. We often consider happiness as reaching outside self and controlling what's around us. How does one reach inside? How does one meditate? How does one find the inner core of who he is? The things is this. Because of the unknowing, the change, uh, impermanence and uh, temporary things, we attach with it, we're grasping, the self-grasping, which is not even there. We confuse it. It's, it's a, a misunderstanding things. So there is no something that can forever in this samsaric life. So why we should to practice and focus on put every energy in there for temporary, for, for the sake of temporary way, beside 
keep long-run happiness for self and all sentient beings. To the point of reaching into Tibet to people who are so isolated by an oppressive regime, what is being done for the people inside the country, this captive state? See, even Tibetans who inside under the Chinese torture and all this uh, very hardship, they don't kill Chinese people. They burn themselves. They're saying, please keep culture. Don't destroy our religion and culture. Please keep it alive. We have to do this because Chinese government does not allow us to do everything in our life. So please, outside and our supporters, help us to keep our religion and our culture alive because it's benefit all the sentiments, not for only Tibetans. That's why the 154 people, they burn themselves in fire. In the emulated emulation, emulation yes. themselves because they're not killing Chinese people, they're not doing like other countries, they're doing a suicide bombers. Yes, they just bond themselves and raise the wise, keep our culture alive, religion alive, which is benefit for the whole universe. It's incredibly difficult for a person with a Western mentality to deal with the issue of emulation. I do remember outside a bookstore in Manhattan looking at some copies and titles and a woman watching a TV program and seeing such an event and just repeatedly saying, my God, my God, my God, not able to embrace what was happening. How would you explain immolation to a culture that believes that there is life and death and no continuance? They see this. Uh it's based on those who does emulations. They have uh, their motivation should be pure to benefit other sentient beings. In that case, if you have that motivation, you can give up yourself for sake of million, billion sentient beings for the happiness. See, because that's why they can give up. They understand the depth of their uh, giving life for benefit other sentient beings. So they give up self-grasping. I have to do this for the sake of other sentient beings. Then there's not negative. A number of economic historians have extrapolated that the 20th century was America's century and the 21st century is the century of the People's Republic of China. We are in direct competition, we too, as great powers on the planet. We are in danger of erring of something happening and war-resulting violent conflict. What is your response to the difficulties in the world today where, in a sense, we're at each other's doorstep waiting for the other to knock and try to get in? <laughs> that comes from self-grasping. It's not useful for any of us. Just pour power on each other and just grab blogging each other not to sharing friendly together. It's not going to keep longer. It never, nobody stay forever be top. Whoever goes on the top, it always falls down. It, time comes. So that's why ego brings, self-grasping brings all this me on the top. So it lose their own identities in the future. And they See, even the Chinese or the even the Americans, whoever, whatever, they have to live in this small world as a family. We have to have share, do business nice way, share everything together, live together, will much better than killing each other, taking power each other. That's make most more you do that, more it brings suffering to the both countries. The late Anwar Sadat, who was as much philosopher as president of Egypt, often said that history was cyclical. Once Egypt was a great and marvelous place, still to some measure is, but not a power. Now America is a great and marvelous place and still a power, and China is rising. You do believe that there's reason to be optimistic because no one, as you just recently said, is number one for long. Nobody, because the whole world is temporarily exists, whole universe is temporarily exists. 
no matter how many years it will last, it has to be changed. It goes up and down. It's the nature of the reality. So, this is whether you believe or not, it happens. Rich and poor, uh, high and uh, low, it always be there because it's nature of samsara or nature of uh, conventional truth. A Hindu legislator in New Delhi upon the death of George Harrison said he had never met a man who was so ready to die. For those who have difficulty understanding such terms, such ideas, such philosophies, what happens to the soul, the spirit, at the end of this period of cyclical rebirth? What happens to that person who has lived a life such as His Holiness the Dalai Lama? What happens when his spirit passes? Where does he go? What does he join? <laughs> it's uh, not like that. The <laughs> not dying of our, you believe in soul or spirit, we call the consciousness. That settled consciousness will remain forever. But death, we see physical form changes. Death is the not end of the life. Death is changing the cloth or the body. Physical body is made out of five elements, earth, water, fire, and space, and wind. So these five elements come together, your form, physical form is, your body is formed, so as the consciousness get in there, because without form, consciousness can do anything. By the form, they walk. At the end, the form, all these five elements dissolve in their state, and your consciousness will be lift this body. So doesn't mean this end of the consciousness. The consciousness takes rebirth again and again. Those who understand how to take rebirth, it's called how to practice the death. So that when you practice that death, and where you have to stop, thinking this and that, not to attach with this and that. So when you have that knowledge, so you will reborn again and again in a different form, different name. You're a marvelous guide. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a concept and a belief and an acceptance of things eternal. Consciousness is eternity. Inside, yeah, that's right. It's inside there which is uh, we, it's, it's inside or outside, we don't know. It is not a physical form, nor it has color. It's only through a feeling it comes. There's more value in a kind touch than in perhaps a kinder word. There's much to be said for the way you describe how love can be expressed, shared, and developed. For those in the listening audience who are curious as to how they may develop their own consciousness, how might they be in touch with your organization? How might they find out? How would they reach out? Uh, there's many better masters, better teachers in our community, and also in uh, all over in the countries in England. If there is a Buddhist centers, those who are not like me, uneducated person, but they are really qualified teachers there. You can contact all any of those. They will teach you, tell you how we, our Buddhism uh, teachings, Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddhist teaching in our Buddhism. So how to die, how to dissolve, how to reborn, how to benefit at the center beings. More, more better, wider idea they have than me. We've often spoken about this uh, there is uh, an argument taken very often that academic pursuits must involve books and lessons and conversations and debate. And yet there's a value for those things that are experiential, that are antithetical to untruths, simply experiencing truth. Your experiences, to some degree, have made you separate. Do you agree or disagree with that? <laughs> 
I uh, not separate. It has to be goal. Something you want to learn, you have to weigh three ways. You have to learn. Let's say for the death is negative. So first you have hear from somebody say death is bad. Then you feel oh there is a death. Such thing is no good thing. You have that feeling arise. Then next sometime you see from the distance somebody's. Family member died. Then you see, oh, really? Everybody's crying and doing so awful things. Oh, death is very bad. You have more feeling than first you heard the death. Then third one, your loved one died in front of you helplessly. You can't save his life or her life. Then you feel the the power of the death. These three things happen. Say any action, you will learn it. Until that, just merely hearing or you seeing something will never understand the death of anything. Again, and this has gone rather quickly. Uh, the best of programs do. Within the last twenty minutes that we have, Lama Pema, can you tell a specific address or share a specific email or contact number that a listener might use? Yes, uh, if if anybody interested to meet me, I have a small center in Manhattan. It's a one ten first Avenue. It's called the Nature Foundation, and it's in between Sixth and Seventh Street, First Avenue. And also, if you want to read the books about different masters in your own on the website, you please go to the lotsava.com. Lotsava.org. It's uh, all the Buddhism, different masters wrote different books and teachings. Everything you find it there, it's mostly it's free. It's so easy to understand. Especially the books we call the training the minds. Lojong, training the mind. What we have to train our negative thought emotions are how bad and how to overcome those negative thought emotions by everyday actions. So you can go in there and read those books and also you can contact the different centers in Queens. We have a Tibetan Community Center, which is 32-01, and uh, it's Woodside. Uh, also, you can contact us there. And also, we have a small place in Jackson Heights. It's a... Uh, uh, it's uh, 24 days, 43, and Jackson Heights, 76th Street. Uh, you can come there too. I'll be there after evening. So any, there are many other centers in Jackson Heights. So there's many lamas in there, those scholars in there. You can contact any Tibetan community. They will take you to the right place. For anyone in the listening audience who wishes to pursue... Uh those things that Lama Pema has just kindly shared, and you did not hear us well or you didn't have the chance to take it down, just be in contact uh, with WCWP, the radio station, and they will contact me and I'll send the information out. There is something that is popular recently in American culture, and that's the idea of meditation, the idea of solitude and quiet. And that is one of the things that uh, Lama Pema and those of his ilk teach. Meditation is difficult. I remember a student I introduced to you who was shocked when suddenly he was able to go away. Dalai Lama, in speaking to me, seemed able to be there and yet not there and be loving enough to take all of us in that room with him. How does one achieve a state of true meditation? The tr meditation is a big name, but uh, we do everyday meditation, everybody, all human beings and animals, everybody that meditations. You eat, you focus on your eating, you cook, you focus on your cooking. Everything you f uh, concentrate on thing is meditation. Once you keep your mind in one single pointed on as long as more times it become you, meditation is more better. So our mind is so 
but it's a wild, like a monkey mind. So to keep that, it's called the meditation. And Tibetan meditation is called uh, gom. Gom means to get used to it. Anything your mind keep in one place, one job, one project, that's called meditation. It doesn't have to be seated, quiet, and do something. But yes, if we have to bring mind, they have easier way to focus on different things. We have uh, postures. We have a uh, focus on different things, vapasana, shamatha, and analyzing, come abide. These things have to be in a certain place. You have to, if you have time. Otherwise, you won't, you want to meditate. I mean, keep your mind in one place longer. Just do on cooking, just doing washing, just doing studying. It's all meditation. So you feel that basically an individual needs a task or a focus to truly meditate. What if one were to ask you, how can I do it at this table, surrounded by individuals, and yet so train my mind to go away and be alone? We all, we all three of them doing a meditation here. Our engineer is focusing on what she's doing over there, and you speaking on what concentrating on asking questions and things like that. And I'm trying to focus on what I have to say, what I know, try to say right away. So we're all in meditation right now. <laughs> it's, it's called meditation, but it's not beside the human day-to-day -day life. It's how we don't keep our mind in one place. We are so scattered our mind, and then we lose everything then we don't even see. For example, you eating a, one of the, your best food, right? When while you eating the food, you don't focus on what you eating, how its flavor is so delicious. You're not thinking of that. You're thinking business. You're thinking of your friends. You're thinking somebody said something wrong to you, hate the person, and you didn't feel the flavor of your food. That means you're, you're not focusing, your meditation is the wrong way. So to get that, anything is needed to feel, you have to focus on eating, sleeping, washing, cooking, cleaning. So likewise, your best meditation is driving car. You have to focus on the car, otherwise you get accident. <laughs> so that's that's meditation. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I totally understand that. Now, Western cultures, our own expressly, have adopted and adapted Buddhist culture to their own way of life. Do you feel that in return, in reciprocity, the West has done enough for Tibet? Yeah, we all need help. Western need Eastern help. Eastern need Western help because we all live in a one family. It's called interdependence. Nobody is above interdependent in interdependence. So we need help each other. Either way, wealth, education, or support from the any knowledge or suffer from the, any help, anything we need each other and work together will be the most resultful future. There are things being done by the Tibetan community in exile to express their desire for change within the boundaries of Tibet. Would you speak to the audience in regard to the voice of Tibet and organizations like Students for a Free Tibet? Yeah, they're working good, they're working helpful, and we need more Westerners to join the uh, Student for Free Tibet. The Student for Free Tibet is actually support group for the Tibet. So uh, it's not Tibetan group. So I know it's wonderful, our kids are working in that, it's wonderful, but we need more Westerners to support in that group, and we do our own Tibetan things and support by the supporter groups. That's more important for us. And also, I want to ask um, more help 
to bring whole universe, whole environment together for the better for future is more needed right now. We had as a guest uh, some time ago in one of your earlier visits, and there have, as we said, have been three that have been marvelous. A student, graduate student, and her mother was also a graduate student, and they spoke of the time they spent in Dharamsala and their desire to visit Lhasa, the capital of Tibet. What could one do in that, as a traveler, as a voyager, we can visit Tibet what can one do on the ground there to show people that we see them and we care? You see, the people need feeling to keep their mind alive and also bring their voice to the universe on the truthfully and uh, ask support from all over the world to support for the benefit of to keep human rights and uh, religious rights and uh, and uh, right for the moments. So in Tibet, we have a problem with the right for the moments. No religion freedom, no uh, human rights in there, no media is able to get there. So it's totally remote and whatever the government wants to do, it's nobody knows, only inside who get tortured, they understand these things, but it's hard to come out. So we, those who travel in Tibet, truthfully, what is happening, how they're doing it, bring back and tell the world it's more useful. And also, sorry, we have this program here in, in outside India, and in, in India, we call the 50 years, 50... Uh, 50, uh, this is, after 50 years, we do thank, thank you to the old where we live in. So we did things America in last year, some areas we did it. And also we did India things. Thank you, America. Thank you, India. Thank you, Germany. All these countries where we live, we tried to thank you to saving us, supporting us, keep our uh, religion, culture freely to uh, practice and to study here. That's what we do, these programs, our community doing in all over the world. I can speak from personal experience in regard to uh, the 50s program and that uh, this announcer has been involved in the struggle to some degree and to some measure, hopefully in a meaningful measure, but perhaps not as meaningful as one would like. We've been involved for over 45 years Part of this philosophy and this belief is the idea of patience, which Westerners have difficulty with. Patience is at the core of one's idea of Buddhist history, correct? Yes, yes. So it's the patience and discipline is the most important, most difficult to practice. No discipline, nothing can do properly. And also patience, you have to have patience because anger, pride, jealousy, those destroying your result of action. So you need a patience not to get anger, influenced by anger, desire, pride, jealousy things. That's why patience is the most difficult to practice in Buddhism, they say. For someone again who would like to be in contact with Dharamsala, who would perhaps even contemplate the possibility of crossing that not invisible border and visiting Tibet itself. Are there things that the listener can do to be in contact with the government of Dharamsala, the government in exile? Are there things that we can do to be in contact with Dharamsala itself and the government of the Dalai Lama himself? Yeah, you can contact directly any of those countries, I mean, uh, departments. We have many departments there. You can have a shared information, so you contact the information of Department of Information, and so there is a, a Department of Homes, Department of Education, Department of uh, Health, and uh, we have all the departments there. Also, you have to contact uh, directly to the cabinet, we have a Sikyong over there, 
and also Sigyom is the president. Sigyom is a Tibetan language who runs the political things. Uh, and uh, then we have uh, medicine there. Tibetan medicine is famous right now. And uh, astrologers are very famous now. It's all over the world. We have some small uh, branches and uh, working well in there because of His Holiness' kindness. Because our medicine is working better than other, those medicines, Tibetan medicine made in China or in Tibet. Uh, those people now in Tibet, they're asking medicine from Dharamsala. They want to use it because it's more effective. Because the materials in the medicine, we use pure materials. Not, not the based on a business, we're just making medicine for benefit, cure the disease. That's why in Tibet, they're asking more medicine from Dharamsala to go to send to the to, to Tibet. So the Chinese government doing lots of medicine. We have many doctors in Tibet, but still the medicine is not strong as we make in Dharamsala. A Lakota chief, Red Cloud, once met a white explorer who was ill by simply saying, brother, don't you know? And he gave him an herb. And the next morning the man arose, bound his horse, and rode away in perfect health. In the few minutes we have, Tibetan medicine inspires, intrigues, and confuses the American medical community in many ways. What is the basis for healing in Tibetan medicine? The Tibetan medicines are made out of herbs, but all these herbs based on the elements, fire, water, earth, wind. So... Whatever the elements is a higher goes, lower goes, the body get trouble. So to balance the elements, the medicine is based on to balance the elements, not killing any books. So it has a less side effects. Maybe if doctor doesn't make mistakes, there's no uh, side effects because it's based on elements. So... It is not harmful medicine. It is very useful, but it's not strong as a Western medicine, which kills, which cures quickly. We don't have that one, but we have a, it's balanced. It cures totally. Once it cures, it's cured totally. It has cure, cure how you say? Curative. Cure too. So it has the power to cure too, but it's not only basis of a business. No. It has to take according to their way of uh, doctor says. Don't drink coffee, don't do alcohol, don't eat this, don't eat that. That's you have to follow the rules. Has have a discipline. The diet practiced by persons like yourself is also extremely helpful. Yeah, I only eat the Tibetan food. <laughs> <laughs> I only cook myself and eat more tsampa. Tsampa is a barley roasted flour, and it's a very, very, very good. And I eat some butters, and it's uh, butters. I heard that even Western doctors say butter is not bad for your heart. Don't use a vegetable oil. vegetable oils. It's bad for your heart. So I'm eating butter. <laughs> A little bit of conflict there, in, <laughs> internally and externally. In the few minutes we have, and we're down to a few seconds, are there some final words that you would like to share with the listening audience? Yes, please. Uh, we all are same human being, brothers and sisters. We have to help each other. Wherever there's a problem, everybody has to keep hands and thoughts and con comments to how to overcome their problems and don't hate it doesn't help self and others to try to compassionate if we want to bring a beautiful world in the future we have to have compassion and love for each other we're all the same human beings we're all the same sentient beings it's nothing nothing is not nobody needs love and compassion everybody needs love and compassion so please Practice 
love and compassion, not based on the race, not based on the color, all we are in the same mother's sentient beings. We certainly would like to thank Lama Pema for sharing his wisdom, his experience, his background, and his thoughts with us. A program is the result of many efforts. A special guest, such as Lama Pema Dorje, a special sister at the controls. It's a composite. The program is called Seldom Said. My name is Robert. Listen for us again. Mm-hmm.